This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is the Wednesday of Iron Bolt Week. It is time for T-Watts and TR here on the Built by Bama online podcast. We've got Alabama-Auburn topics to get into today with Tim Watts. Uh, but we've got Thanksgiving topics we got to get into as well. I mean, we've got Bird Day uh, uh, less than 24 hours away from now. And as I bring Tim Watts on, Tim, are there any smells at this point at Casa de Watts? Any uh, any whiffs that you're picking up on that sort of hint to uh, tomorrow's big day? Yeah, I think my wife's already cooking some stuff. She's cooking some stuff for a friend, and I know she's already preparing uh, a lot of uh, our relatives are coming over. She loves to host, as I said last week. So she loves to have a big gathering. So I smelled something. I'm still in the morning hours trying to get trying to get this coffee in me. So I smelled something I probably shouldn't have yet. Yeah, you know we're not hosting this year. So all I've got is uh, all it smells like around uh, this place is uh, Teen Spirit with that teenage daughter. That's all I've got. That's all I've got on this Wednesday morning before. Uh, Thanksgiving, but again, a lot to get into on T Watts and TR. Um, Tim, you know, we talked about this a little bit. I want to go ahead and jump into it right now as we uh, get things going. Uh, the sustainability of Alabama football in relation to unranked opponents. I mean, just look at last night, okay? The Duke Blue Devils, the brand in college basketball goes down on their home court to Stephen F. Austin. By the way, a Stephen F. Austin team that will be coming to Tuscaloosa the a week from Friday. Yes, the Lumberjacks, the Lumberjacks. going to be coming to Coleman. Um, yeah. You know, we saw it with Duke last night. We saw it with Oregon over the weekend. We've seen it throughout this college football season. And I'm not talking about, you know, teams just in the top 25. We're talking about teams that last night on the college football playoff uh, rankings reveal the latest one, you know, are being being campaigned for as final four teams for the playoff, Tim. Yeah, I just don't know. I mean, to what I think it's 90 straight games Alabama's won against unranked teams. And, you know, a lot of people who can't do it say, oh, that's not a big deal. It's against unranked teams. But what you look at just the college football year, I mean, you saw Georgia 20 point favorite plus favorite lost at home to South Carolina, South Carolina team that's going to go four and eight, it looks like. Um, you saw Clemson, a great football team, almost lose at North Carolina, another huge dog. You saw Utah, you know, Final Four team lose to Washington State. Oregon just got thumped. I mean, that, you know, the score didn't indicate how bad Arizona State no. beat them, but everybody was talking about Oregon. Here comes Herm Edwards, who has not led a single minute of a football game in November and basically beat them for 60 minutes, hands down. So it's hard to do. And like you said, Duke lost to Stephen F. Austin. We've had... Kentucky loss, and who was the third? We had three uh, number one teams ranked, Kentucky, Duke, and somebody else that's went down already this year. So beating these guys isn't Michigan easy. State. Yes, Michigan man, we had State a couple three, nights ago. It is not even Thanksgiving. We have three number one basketball teams already beat this in, in this year. So plus I, the 
Go ahead. Not not to go into it, but Anthony Grant's got a little bit of a basketball team up there at Dayton. I don't know Dude. what it is about the A-10 or that type of level of college hoops, but uh, it, it works well with Anthony Grant. Let, and uh, Yeah, he did a good job. He's did a really good job most places he's been. I mean, I was getting hammered with text last night about how <laughs> could he coach better there, and I'm like, I don't think he's a better coach. I just think things are – has worked out more in his favor. Uh, but, yeah, he uh, he's did a good job. It's been a weird – that's one thing I've loved about college basketball. It's hard for me to really follow a team because you can't – I mean, the good teams are there one and done, the good players, and uh, the teams, they change so much. So I'm really just following, you know, watching a game, and I'm able to enjoy the good players. And um, uh, I think college football is headed there now. I mean, we had how many more guys enter, enter the portal this year between the yeah. – you know the you know the you know them getting credit for their name and then the transfer portal and the grad. I mean it's almost to the point. I mean it's you know it's like Scooby Carter. We never we know we we never knew you. You know right. Antonio Alfano. We never knew you. Justin Shorter at Penn State's a starter. He's leaving Florida law. So um, to me, I think it releases us a little bit just to watch these teams go at it and uh, watch that guy to enjoy him for what he is for the uh, you know for the short time we're going to see him in college and then he's going to move on to professional. Yeah, and it's not just that Alabama, getting back to the unranked opponent win streak, has for more than a decade now compiled these wins over unranked opponent, which I think, again, a lot of people have just become desensitized to it. It's, oh, well, no big deal. Well, as you outlined and we've outlined here, then why isn't everybody else doing it? And it's not just that Alabama wins these games against unranked opponents. Tim, they pound these people. I mean, they, they don't. You know, the, the, there aren't these close shaves like Clemson and North Carolina uh, that they pull out. They hammer unranked opponent, and it's almost like, well, you know, that's supposed to happen at Alabama. You know, and anywhere he, else, you're not nicked up for close shaves like that, Clemson was. That is how they act. Like, oh, it's no big deal. It's an unranked team, but everybody saying that can't do it. It's yeah. hard. It's hard to get. I mean, because you're dealing with 18 to 22 year old kids, and you can tell them. Nick Saban can tell them all he wants. You know, UTEP is a good football team, you know, for instance. But they're they're not going to believe it. When they hear certain names in their heads, when you come to schools at that size, and it's that way for a lot of big schools. I think that's what happened to Georgia against South Carolina. They knew they were better. They knew they were head and shoulders better. I know Kirby Smart had them prepared and was telling them this is a dangerous team. They've got a good defense. They're going to try to control the ball. I know he was telling him that. Um, but they didn't believe him. So that's sort of, you know, again, that's a testament to Alabama. These kids do go out there. They're prepared. Whether or not they're fired up to play a small school, it doesn't matter. They're prepared, and, you know, they, they like you said, they handle their business. Take care of their business. And this Alabama football team on Saturday with some big business in front of it with its backup quarterback, Mac Jones, getting the start first time since the 2004 Iron Bowl that Alabama will go into a game against Auburn with its backup on the field starting the football game. Before we get into some more of that, the rivalry in general, Tim, is there anything we need to know from a recruiting perspective uh, in terms of these two programs being head up on some guys maybe here down the stretch? Or uh, is most of this stuff settled for Alabama looking ahead to the early signing period or uh, it, it always seems like there's at least a guy or two late that both of these are going to be involved with. Yeah, you know, you don't see Alabama and Georgia battles as much as, I mean, Alabama and, and Auburn battles as much as we used to. And, you know, even, you know, I think just, I think part of that is a lot of schools just know when to cut bait. They you know, know when to cut that line and, 
you know, you don't want to put a lot of effort into a guy that's, you know, you think is going to another school. So I don't think there's going to be major implications. I don't think the Alabama Auburn game has swung a kid in a long time. Uh, I, I honestly believe a lot of high school kids are just basing it on, uh, you know, the prestige, the play in, you know, the in the NFL, the education and all that stuff. I mean, obviously you want to be able to, if you're Nick Saban or Gus Malzahn, you want to be able to walk into a player in the state of Alabama and you want to be able to sit down and, 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 and tell them that, you know, you own the state and all that stuff. But I don't think it's going to have huge, huge ramifications one way or the, uh, or the other. Yeah, I guess with in-state kids, it doesn't there's not a lot of names left out there, I guess, that come to mind. Although if you go to Mississippi, maybe a McKinley Jackson, the defensive tackle, maybe over in Georgia, Philip Webb, the outside linebacker, you know, Alabama still, I guess, trying to maintain contact with him and keep him in the picture perhaps for this class. Yeah. There's guys that they'll battle with and they'll go, you know, Philip Webb's one. He's also got Alabama, Auburn, LSU, and a, another school or two in there that's this balance for him. But I don't think their decision is going to be, you know, how this game turns out. Right. I don't think this decision is going to be based on that. And I know like after the LSU loss, there was a certain small percentage of the fan base that thought that just ruined Alabama's class. But, you know, Eric Gilbert had already committed to LSU before that game. And I don't think if Alabama had won the game against LSU, that Eric Gilbert was going to flip based on that. I think there's a lot more, you know, it's odd because a lot of these 17 year old kids are much more mature about their decision ultimately than the adults. It's a lot less emotional. I mean, you know that dealing with kids. A lot, of, you know, you'll see, a, you know, you'll see a Brody Croyle who'll go into, you know, Coach Fran's system and not be a great fit and go there for loyalty and and and, and all that stuff and uh, the connection to the school and 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 that we've seen that. But it's 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 feel you know it's it's less and less that you're seeing that. Where my dad went to Tennessee, I'm going to Tennessee. Now you got to actually sell the kid. Because it's you know kids are so much different. When we were growing up, we only knew what our dad told us. Yeah. You know we didn't know I, I didn't know about Nebraska was good. I had no idea. I didn't know Oklahoma and all that. I saw them once a year. So now these kids have figured it out for themselves. Yeah. When I was growing up, I knew Florida was no good because my old man actually drug me down to Florida Field back in the 70s when they stunk. So I did have that. I did have that baseline of knowledge uh. <laughs> when it comes to to Florida. But my uh, maternal grandfather was a huge Alabama fan, a huge Paul Bear Bryant fan. And that's where the Alabama side of things It's like my grandfather was throwing me a, a life raft or something there when I was eight or nine years yeah. old. Um you know, but, you know, we, we talk about some of these legacies and uh, I'm guessing Nate Oates and we're kind of just going all over the board, which is what we do here typically on T Watts and TR. I'm guessing Nate Oates wishes Cole Anthony had been a legacy and gone to UNLV instead of North Carolina, which is what Alabama will see on Wednesday afternoon down there in the Bahamas when the Crimson yeah. Tide takes on uh, the Tar Heels. Man, he's a good player. You know, he's such a good player. Um uh, his dad, I was a big fan of his dad. Obviously, that UNLV team was just one of the most fun I've ever seen, and uh, they they were sort of correct, you know, the bad boys and that whole image. They, they were about on. that life. They, they were. were. I mean, they were in life. Vegas. They had Jerry. I'll never forget. I saw a picture when I was young, and Jerry Tarkanian was at a reform school or a juvenile center, and they had a picture of him looking through a chain link fence that was about. 15 feet tall and he was there to recruit lloyd sweet p daniels oh yeah it was he had been arrested it was in there so um and also i just love tark i know he was a bad boy i'll never forget tark saying 
Uh, the NCAA is so mad at North Carolina, they just put Cleveland State on probation. <laughs> and that is still what the NCAA basically does. Tark was Tark was ranting and raving against the machine that long ago um, and and doing his thing. So, yeah, that. but this Anthony kid, his dad was a you know really, really good player on that team. He's really smart. I see him doing his – his uh his uh, uh broadcasting stuff and the you know the kid the kid's fantastic he's even better than his dad was. What so, can this do though for Kyra Lewis Jr. in that type of matchup today, big picture I mean, wise? It's it's it is definitely. I mean the NBA you've seen guys over the years we saw it with Antonio McDice who was barely on the NBA radar blow up and uh, do a great job against Brian Reeves. You remember that? Next thing we know this yeah. guy's going number two in the draft. That happened so quick so. Whenever you get a chance to go head-to-head against a guy they're projecting in the top five or eight of the lottery as a true freshman, I think it can help Kyra. Also, Kyra, remember, he 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 uh, uh, went up a year, graduated a year early to come in. So this is a young guy. He's still just a kid for real. So he's going to have a chance to, you know, they look at him 18 going on 19. He has a chance to play against this guy. I'm a big fan. I think the, the kid's really good. So uh, definitely it's got to be an opportunity they're looking forward to. You spoke a moment ago about sort of the uh, formative years that we all go through as fans of sports, uh, and certainly what you hit on when it comes to college football and the regional bias that we all have. Uh, but when you're talking about Iron Bowls, you're talking about Alabama-Auburn, that, that's on the national scope. We understand that. Um, but I wanted to ask you, Tim, what was maybe your first recollection of the, the Alabama-Auburn rivalry? Maybe it was a game. Maybe it was through school. Maybe it was within your family. What was that first moment when you said, yeah, I guess this is pretty important? You know, I've watched every game. I was an Alabama fan from birth. Me and uh, my second brother, my oldest brother, and my younger brother were Tennessee fans. And um, so, I mean, I've caught, I've followed it. You know, all the way, you know, through. I remember Walter Lewis running around trying to win games. I remember those games at, at Legion Field, but I don't remember the game. I remember the plays. When it re- really hit me what was going on, I was probably early teens and, you know, you know, Bo over the top, the Tiffin kick, wrong way, Bo. Those games, that, those early, those early, uh, those early 80 games, man, those were some of the most intense yeah. football games. Uh, and I'm still that way. When I watch a game, any game, I'm still I, I'm animated. It doesn't have to be just Alabama or the Saints or or one of my teams. I'm animated in a game. When I'm watching a game, I'm yelling at you know I'm arguing with um you know the referees and um, I'm into it. And I think those early teen years of that those living on the edge, you know I you know and and uh, you got I mean Bo Jackson over the top to win a game. Bo goes the wrong way to lose a game. Van Tiffen kicks a you know what to a kid seems like a thousand yard field goal to win a game. So those early eighties, that's when it really hit me what was going on and what you know what I thought college football was really about. I'm kinda there with you when it comes to the Iron Bowl. Eighty one, Paul Bear Bryant wins number three fifteen. Uh in, in that Iron Bowl, that stood out. Um I, I go maybe I'm a little bit older, so I go back into the late seventies a little bit with uh you know Major Ogilvy, Tony Nathan Jeff Rutledge, um, you know, the quarterbacks and those triple option offenses. But you're right, man. When you talk about a stretch of I wouldn't say it was a rebirth of the the Iron Bowl because it's it's always been big. But some of those games, Lawyer Tillman on the reverse in 86 after Van Tiffen's 52 yarder to win it in 85. 
wrong way bow in 84 i believe it was bow over the top in 80 was that 82 yeah 82 is over the top 84 is the wrong way and don't forget in 89 was the first year at jordan hare so that decade it packed it packed a wallop you know it, it 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 definitely delivered i mean you had so much action so many great players so many milestones. The first, like you said, Bear Bryant's 315th win. The first game in Jordan Hare Stadium. I mean, just you know, Bo Jackson involved in several games. You know, one of the most phenomenal athletes ever to live. Uh, just it was just it was just an intense 10 year window there. I think. Yeah, it seems like every time Alabama goes to Auburn, there's some significance to it. You know what I mean? It does. Like, I yeah. And, and this is the 30 year anniversary. Of that 89 game. So there you go. There's always something, isn't there, when Alabama goes to, to Auburn that, that makes it bigger than it already is? You know, it's just never easy, you know. And, I mean, yeah. it shouldn't be. Auburn's got a great environment, and they've got, um, you know, Auburn's got a great environment. They always have good football teams. They might be an eight-win team instead of a, a 10 or 11-win team in SEC West champion, but they're always good. They've always got good defensive players. I can't remember a bad – I'm sure Auburn fans will – you know, uh, will correct me when they see me, but they're always up for this game. And there's always some talent on that field. I mean, this team now you're looking at a great defensive line. Kevin Steele, you know, was with Nick Saban, does a great job with that defense. Gus Malzahn can still dial up a game. You just never know when he's going to do it. You know, you got the freshman Bo Nix, who I think's give better than he's being given credit for. He's been thrown into a rough job. I said that to begin with. They threw him in, and this kid was playing. You know, this time last year he was playing. 6'8 football or 5'8 football in the state of Alabama. So, yeah. you know, he's placed, faced a little, you know, quite the rugged schedule. And then you flip over to Mac Jones. is like, hey, here's your first road start. Let's go to Jordan Hare with possible playoff uh, uh, spot on the line. And let's, you know, let's see what you can do. So, yeah, it's always, it's always, it's always something to it. Yeah, it's kind of like around my house. It's always something. <laughs> hey, um, I wanted to ask you, I think every – family whether it's Alabama fans or Auburn fans when you talk about this rivalry has that one specific family member and or friend who absolutely loses his or her mind not only on game day but in the week leading up to the the Iron Bowl you have that person uh, that maybe you grew up with or you still have in your life that just really struggles I mean struggles to hold it together throughout the course have, of the week and then through the game. I have friends who have some of the most annoying hot takes. I mean, it starts at kickoff and it don't end until the kneel of one, we're done, it's over, that guy can't play, can't catch, can't run, can't kick, can't tackle. Uh, I have a few of those. When I get back, I just I just mute them during the game. When I come back, there's a, it's almost like the roundtable message oh, board. Oh, yeah, yeah. Down 14 to nothing, we're done. I'm going to cut the grass. And then Alabama, and then Alabama won 38 to 14, and my boy's out here taking all kind of heat. So yeah. it's it's definitely that. Um, I don't I don't have a lot of pro. I don't hear a lot of trash talking from opposing fans because I don't I don't talk a lot of trash. I've never been one to talk about you know Bama's better than your team or the same or any anybody. I'm not one to do that. So I don't have my Tennessee fans or LSU fans or. My Georgia fans coming back, you know, they don't come, you know, friends that are fans, Georgia fans that are friends. I don't have them talking trash to me when something happens. Um, so I don't deal with that. Now, I do have some a couple of family members who 
be here tomorrow. I won't name because it would be uncomfortable because my wife will probably play this at dinner. But, yeah, I've got a few <laughs> that, are, that are over the top when they're winning. Um, but overall, I try to avoid those people. I know how emotional it is, so I don't fault people. I mean, those are rough games to watch sometimes. Yeah. You know, yeah. that LSU was a doozy. You gave yeah. up. You're hyped. You gave up. You're hyped. You gave up. I mean, that's a lot of emotions there for everybody. Roller coaster, best way to describe it. In our house, probably our most aggressive fan, I, I would call her, is our oldest daughter. Um, yeah. Who I actually, Savannah is ultra competitive in sports in general. So <laughs> I had a feeling that was the. She end. goes. She goes next level. And she's the one who will hit me up on the text. You know, she's oh, out in wow. Hawaii now. She'll hit me up the whole game in a lot of these games. What was that? What were they thinking? Why didn't he make a cut there? I mean, she's like every snap <laughs> of Western Carolina, let alone Auburn. Um, you know, the, our oldest, Evan, you know, Evan. I mean, yeah, he, he's he, a big football fan, but he's probably right now bigger into the NFL. He loves those Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't know why. I think he feels like it's – like his his cross to bear because he went to Alabama when Alabama was winning all these games. He feels like he feels Bama guilt for all this success or something. Uh, absolutely. Know? Now, Mike, I raised when I was <clears throat> when we were growing up, there was like only so many options to have as hobbies. So following yeah. your yeah. favorite football team was one of them. So these games could run your Saturday. I'll never forget the Penn State loss when the, the out of bounds when he was inbounds play. It ruined my whole weekend. And looking back, I didn't want my kids to be that way. So I have them watch the game. I have them relax in the game. I have also they grew up when the Alabama's winning almost every game. I'll never forget 09, the Saints won and the and Bama won. And they said, let's do it again next year. And my little one left the room. I was like, yeah, because it's so easy. Get your ass out of here, you know. And yeah. uh, they're just they're just so spoiled. But I didn't want them to be upset and ruin their day or anything like that. Plus, they have 50,000 other hobbies now, you know. If they, you know, if their favorite team don't win, they just hop on Madden or whatever. And their their actual team wins. So you're right about the 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 uh, the 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 winning being so excessive in the lifetime of some of these kids our 17 year old hey, if Alabama loses she just is like well, well, well what happened you know I mean it's just so rare and put it this way since the time she started kindergarten through what is now her senior year of high school she has never seen Tennessee beat Alabama on the football right. field. That's it's just crazy, man. It's just insane to it's think crazy. about. Crazy. So she doesn't, like you said, a lot of these kids, they don't know any different yet, yet, uh, at this point anyway. Yeah. I just think they have so many hobbies, so many other they things do. to distract them. And, you know, the thing I like, at least with my kids, is they can go to the game. They'll go to a game and they enjoy the game. It's not, they're not wasting, you know, expensive ticket money having to win the game. They're there to experience it. So I'd be upset. It doesn't surprise me, Savannah, because I've, I I don't know her, but I follow her. You know, I've talked to you some years. It doesn't surprise me at all. She's that way. She's very, very intense. You can tell. And the uh, um, it doesn't surprise me. She knows the technical aspect of a lot of it, too. Now, when you know the plays and you know they miss a block, that'll upset you. You know, luckily, right. you know, I don't have my kids aren't out here breaking it down like, uh oh, here we go. Option <laughs> you know, my kids are just like, throw it to Judy. Why don't you just throw it to Judy? Yeah. Throw it. That's just so simple. Throw it to Judy. Yeah. You know, some of these kids, uh, as they grow into adults, they might be in for a little bit of a shock after a certain head coach moves on. But who knows? Maybe this thing will just 
keep but rolling. Don't, don't forget about the kids we grew up with who never lost. Oh, I'm, yeah. a Bull, I'm a Lakers fan. Oh, I'm a Bulls fan. You know, oh, I'm a Magic fan. Oh, yeah. They, they just went through there. They're like, hey, I won 37 NBA championships in a row. It's crazy. <laughs> well, now they're not even team fans. They're LeBron fans. Are there, you know what I mean? They, they, they're, they're, they're fans of specific players, you know, but of course, you didn't have Jordan and those guys when we were growing up bouncing around like you do now. Oh, they all stayed. Magic, every bird, everybody yeah. stayed, I think. I think, who's the big, maybe Dr. Barkley? J. Bar- I mean, could you think of Dr. Barkley. J playing for anybody other no. than the Sixers once no. he got to the Sixers? You know what I mean? Allen Iverson. I mean, Barkley's probably yeah. the biggest name I grew up really watching and, and enjoying playing who moved. I mean, he went from the Sixers to the Suns and moved around. Most of them stayed exactly. You know, Carl Malone, I'm not counting those last two years. I'm not counting Joe Montana with the Chiefs or Joe Namath with the Rams. I don't count that. But for the majority of their career, they're right, you know, they're right where they started. Now guys, they'll go back to the one team that they maybe played five or six years with, sign that one day contract and retire as a member of a team that they played with for five or six years when we had guys for fifteen or twenty, or at least it seemed that way, uh, sticking with one team back in the eighties and nineties, or at least again. That's the way uh, I recall it uh, anyway. It is. Go ahead. I said that's the way it was. I mean, it was the teams and, you know, like now you buy your your kid a jersey and two years later you're throwing Anthony Davis's New Orleans jersey away and getting a Laker one. And even Kawhi, look at Kawhi Leonard who's moved around and he goes and signs a contract he can get out of in two years. You know, so this guy could be on the move again. So, you know what? And I'll tell you the truth. If I'm an NBA player, that's not that's not a terrible idea. Living in L.A., living in Brooklyn, living in Van, you know, living in Toronto, living in Miami. That's not the worst life, worst life or career to have. That's quite a little that's quite the little bit of living you'll be doing. It is. And the guaranteed money makes it doable for those guys in the NBA. You can sign a two year deal and still you're going to be guaranteed 80, 90, a hundred million dollars. Can't do that in the NFL. It's all contingent upon years that you're willing to agree upon. And that goes into your signing bonus, which is everything, whatever you sign for, whatever that bonus is, as you know, in the NFL, that's, that's what you can count on that guaranteed money. Whereas the years are guaranteed in most instances uh, in the NBA and major league baseball too for that matter. Hey, Tim, um, we are getting ready for Thanksgiving. I know that you probably uh, had some errands, a checklist here in the last couple of days. Mine involved uh, getting a haircut, which kind of got me to thinking, when's the last time you went to a real barbershop? Or or do you you go to a real barbershop? I've never been, and you mentioned that, and it was funny when you texted me last night because Everywhere I've been, like up north, I guess it's pretty popular. I mean, I don't walk down to Publix and there's a barbershop, you know, in Alabaster. But when I was in New York, every corner had one. And it was the Godfather one. Sit back, close your eyes, cover your face in a towel, get, you know, get, you know, get shot and don't see it coming, get your throat cut or whatever. It was exactly like that. I saw several and I kept wanting to do it. And my wife was like, do it do it and i'm like i can't i don't know that dude i can't trust him with that knife in my throat so i never straight, actually did it razor yeah. yes and then when you yeah <laughs> that switch plays what it looks like but when you <laughs> call me that i instantly went to regret we stayed when we stayed in hell's kitchen last year in june there was one right around the corner i passed it 10 times 
So next time I get out of here, out of our C1, I'm going to do it. I've never did it. Yeah. I, it's been a while for me now. We've got, you know, it, it's kind of become the end thing again. I, I don't know about in the Birmingham area. I'm sure it is. You know, Birmingham in certain areas of, of, of uh, uh, that city is, is very much uh, trendy. But now, you know, we've got some spots in even Tuscaloosa. I call them craft barbers. You know how we've got craft burgers. We've got craft beers. we got craft cocktails. Well, now we got craft barbers. And, and it's an extensive service. I went one time. But it was so sort of emasculating or disappointing because I don't have enough hair left, Tim, to do all this crap that they can do with <laughs> haircuts now at the barbershop. You know, I don't come out of the barbershop looking like one of the Avett Brothers members or something, you know, or you know, w- w- one of those guys. I, I, I'm follically challenged to the point where there's no sense in me paying 50 bucks for a barbershop craft haircut that my mom used to give me in the driveway for free, Tim. Actually, if I go in there, it's going to be about to shave. I'm going in there after seven months looking like I was stranded on an island. I'm going to say, do me. Haircut's going to take two seconds. Let's work on this beard. That's what – yeah, that's I'm going in there looking like that. They're gonna think I had I've escaped from got Wilson under your arm walking absolutely. in there. Absolutely, get me the clean me island. up, clean me up. <laughs> yeah, you know I, I I've kind of become a salon guy just because of the convenience, you know. And yeah, again, well, I, I think I'm just hating. Look, no offense if you like the uh, the craft barber shops we've got more and more of these days. God bless you. You probably are in a position where they can do you some good. Okay, they can't do anything for me anymore <laughs> at the craft barber shop. I'm just hating. That's all it is. Just some bitterness there. Um, so let's let's talk about uh, a little bit too about what comes up after Thanksgiving for you and yours. Uh, and that means Black Friday, which by now Black Friday is what started three days ago. If you haven't already gotten yeah. out on this Wednesday for Black Friday, aren't you already late for Black Friday, Tim? Yeah, I just I remember like early in our marriage, my wife and her girlfriends getting up at like going to bed at 6 p.m. and getting up at like 11 p.m. to go get in line for something at the Galleria and go to all these sales. It was like a big deal. It was a big deal. Now I've got them emailing me the Black Friday sales and the Black Friday sales started on Monday, which doesn't make any sense. Um me, I avoid a lot of that. I'm really good at finding deals. I'm a comp- I'm a little bit OCD with Christmas presents and for my children. And I start putting that list together about August. So I start checking that thing off as I go along. And I, I'll be honest, I don't know about you. I was happy when my kids and all my kids actually made it to double digits without knowing about uh, Santa Claus. And I was happy they made it that long, and eventually one of them, the, the, my youngest now, son. Now, did they did they really not know they, uh, that there's not every, a Santa Claus, or did they just – was it a no, front? Were they, they fronting? Everyone did the same thing. They faked it for a year, and that's when we <laughs> knew they knew. And then after that Christmas, before the next Christmas, we would talk to them and we'd say, is there something you want to ask us about Santa Claus? And then they'd look sheepish at the ground and look around. So we knew they knew. I also didn't want to be – I didn't want to be lying to them until 16 and them like, there is a K.A. Your son is suspended. He got to fight in the lunchroom because somebody said there wasn't no Santa Claus, and he went off. I don't want to – I didn't want to have those kids either. So I was happy. I told my yeah. oldest one, uh, my oldest son, Bryce, and I told him, I said, 
he asked me, and I said, it's true, there's no Santa Claus. I said, by the way, I've kept a running list of everything I bought that Santa Claus didn't buy, and I want full-ass credit, parent credit, because I bought all that, picked it out, bomb-wrapped it, we want all the credit. Santa gets yeah. nothing. So well, I yeah. just to open it up. There's always that one family member who feels like it's his or her responsibility to let your kids know that yeah. there is no Santa Claus because you, the parent, should get credit for buying all the presents and making it happen. You know, there's always that one, uh, that one person, but look, uh, look, kids know, I mean, kids aren't very smart. Let's be honest. It takes a long time for them to be even remote. Awareness. Yeah. The awareness isn't there. I mean, my oldest one, I asked him, I got an Acura an Acura, one of those mid-size Acuras is $23,000. First new car I've ever had. The only one I'll ever have. And my son was just ranting. This is what I want when I'm 16. I was like, oh. <laughs> well, and so I said, Bryson, how much do you think this car cost? He said, $65,000, $70,000. And I said, on a whim, I said, how much do you think the house cost? And he said, $35,000. I said, oh, my Lord. Yeah. Bryson thinks the car is the little Acura is double the price of my house. So I do right away. We're a long way for these kids figuring out money. When does the Christmas tree go up? Oh, Christmas trees, trees, trees. Oh, dude, you you running a lot over there. Oh, see this. See, I make the mistake of saying, do what you want. It's your Christmas. Make the most of it. And I've looked up. We've been married 20 years. Oldest son's 18 going on 19. I'm going to start calling you Chris Watts. Everybody has their own tree. We have the tree of the presents go under. Jeez. The kids decorate. We have a New Orleans Mardi Gras tree when you walk in the door. My daughter has her own tree. The boys have a tree entirely of Marvel characters. And downstairs, we have an entire Alabama tree of just Alabama stuff. And that I haven't even asked her. She's bought another tree. She loved, They look great, though. I'll give her credit. They look great. She does the work. She picks them out. She puts them up. She takes them down. I don't have to do anything. So that that will start Friday. And the kids love it. You know, Friday. You know, so this you know, my, Friday. Yeah, my oh yeah, my oldest sons are 18 and set, uh, 19, and they 17 and 18, both going about to be 18, 19, and they will help her put the trees up without griping. So I'm okay with it. I mean, it's still something they can do together. I mean, they end up nice, but it's a it's a multiple tree. What what how do y'all how are y'all gonna do it with just one? At you know, home? we're pretty random, man. But I'm like you. Whatever the wife wants to do, I don't care if the tree's three foot. I don't care if the tree is one that you can put on a table. I don't care if the tree is 17 foot. It's up to her. Yeah. It's her call. But there's not really a tradition in terms. I mean, there's been Christmases where we've sat around there on probably like the 15th or 16th and gone, you know, might be about time for the tree. Now, she's great about decorations. She'll get she'll get the decorations out. But her big here's her big thing. She loves Halloween more from that perspective than she does even christmas and she really uh, likes christmas but she's a halloween person her birthday is the uh, day before okay. halloween uh, maybe, maybe that's why yeah. it resonates you know that makes halloween's sense. big here big here halloween that makes sense so there you go tim i guess that's just about going to do it got anything else we want to hit on obviously bamaonline.com is where you're going to want to be for the rest of the week well the rest of your days when it comes to alabama coverage Till death do us part. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, you said so they're end of days. I was just trying to make it look more poetic. It's sickness and in health. It's sickness and in, in, in wins and in losses. Absolutely. But happy, happy 
Thanksgiving to all the all the BOLers. Happy Thanksgiving to 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 Kirk and and Charlie and Hank and of course you Travis been working with you 20 years and a lot of the, those BOL guys I get I get a I get messages from them and they've been with us you know since Shannon was still lucky you know you know 20 years ago so <laughs> they were they were they some of those old school guys if they listen to this they remember you know they remember that 10 to nothing loss you know at a, you know at Auburn you know Alabama Auburn game so it's been a long ride I just want everybody to enjoy it and have fun enjoy the family and and get a little fatter. You can work it off on Friday. Yeah, you can sleep it off with that turkey. You know, get you a couple naps, and then maybe watch some, uh, watch some egg bowl on Thanksgiving night. That's always That's a pretty that. nice. Last night. year, last year was pretty exciting. Yeah. Wasn't that last yeah. year at the brawl? Well, that yeah, that was yeah. The brawl at the end of the game was exciting. Was, yeah, remember the State quarterback handled them. But, yeah, uh, the quarterback ran out in the field. That was pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Joe Moorhead, Wolfen after the game at the, uh, I think the Ole Miss athletic director at the time, who is now the new athletic director at Texas A&M. But yeah, we got a lot to be thankful for. We got a lot to look forward to. And as Tim said, we appreciate each and every one of you who make not only this podcast, but certainly BamaOnline.com possible as well. Hey, Tim, man, you and yours, have a great holiday. All right. Happy Thanksgiving. There he goes, Tim Watts. For Tim Watts, I'm Travis Schreier. Have a great Thanksgiving. Keep it locked to BamaOnline.com as we continue to get you ready for Alabama-Auburn in Saturday's Iron Bowl at Jordan-Hare Stadium. So long, everybody.